0: Face the Final Frontier. These are the voyages <laughs> of the Starship Enterprise. It's a five-year mission.
1: To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life, new civilization. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek I'm Captain Jim, and with me of course is Admiral Elliot Hi back. And we're here to talk about the latest episode of Lower Decks, The Spy Humongous. And that's led us down the the rabbit hole, back to all the way back to season one of TNG and Skin of Evil. So, yeah, The Spy Humongous. It, do you reckon this is the end of the pack-led story arc? No, or do you think we've still got no, something to I go? No, I think
0: there's more. Like, I think, I think there's another big bad who's sort of directing the packwards.
1: Maybe, yeah, because they...
0: the packleds, the packleds are clever enough to be doing, to be sort of ambushing Federation starships all over. And...
1: Well, no, so we we definitely see in this episode how not clever they are. I mean, I know that's been the running <laughs> joke with the packleds, but we we lay it on really thick in this episode. So, yeah, I I think there's probably more to come uh, regarding the packleds. I wasn't. I was expecting that it was going to be the season finale. Was going to be the culmination yeah, of the well, Packled story. That's why story. I'm thinking
0: there's like there's more to come because what we've still got another four episodes. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like it's almost like the Packleds are becoming a bit of a a season arc as the big bad, yeah. as the baddies. Yeah, but because like, they ended season one with the Packleds. But the Packwoods aren't clever enough to
1: be the big fads. No. So, yeah, I, I think maybe we'll get a bit right. more.
0: I'm going to put my... I'm going to say, because we know that um, Jess McCoombs is coming up as a guest star. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's that evil computer. And I wonder <laughs> if that evil computer's pulling the strings.
1: Ah, yeah, that could be good. I like that, yeah. So... We find out the Packled Homeworld in this episode is called Packled Planet, which I think
0: <laughs> it's a backwards planet. It yep.
1: makes sense. Definitely, I really like that. So, but again, that's showing the the level that we're dealing with when we're talking to well, the Packleds.
0: Well, we on there, we're still on that thing out with like they call all the Federation starships Enterprise, because the first one they encountered was the Enterprise. So it's another enterprise. They all called enterprise.
1: Yeah, and they think all the then, female uh, captains are called Janeway.
0: Yeah,
1: because <laughs> presumably she's the most famous female captain in Starfleet. Which, yeah, she probably would be after. Um...
0: Yeah, after Vo- after Voyager and coming back, like we do know that she got promoted very quickly to an admiral.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> So the setup for this episode, then, is we've got one of the pack leads that is kind of requesting asylum, or they think that he's requesting asylum, uh, but he's actually a spy, which um, we'll, we'll get to that. they suss
0: it out fairly quickly, don't they?
1: Yeah, I like the the team of Kaishon and, um, oh, Ransom. I think yeah. that's quite a good little double act that they set up in this episode. And then for the for our main lower decked cast, then they're on anomaly consolidation duty. Or as Mariner points out, this is really just picking up the rubbish that the senior staff yeah. leave around. <laughs> and it's another one of them great things that lower decks has tapped into. Where you could watch an episode of Star Trek and go, OK, well, they've got all this weird stuff now, so who goes around and sorts that out after the fact? And yeah, well, what got me the like,
0: I found it a bit strange that it's in all the senior officers' quarters, and they just go in and it's just... But it looks like it's being worked on because it's on tables and stuff.
1: Yeah, that's true, actually. I'd not I'm not given much... It seemed uh, really odd, yeah, I've not given a lot of thought like, to what we were actually like saying there. It's a
0: Starfleet protocol that like, they know that senior officers collect stuff mm.
1: from the
0: Mentos, and they're not meant to with these anomalies. There's certain right. things that they're not meant to collect like this. Because we do see as they're going around collecting it, how dangerous some of these things are.
1: Yeah, that's true. Or I, I if wouldn't it's
0: more of d- a, a Starfleet thing that's coming from above of so, Captain Freeman, it's a duty that comes through above the captain on the
1: ship. Yeah, I wonder if it's a case of, like you say, everything's stacked up, so maybe it's a case that they don't do this that often, they do it maybe every six months, and everybody gets a briefing going out saying, right, all the crap that you've saved up from all the missions and everything, just leave it out on your desk, and we're going to send the ensigns around to get rid of it all this afternoon sort of thing, so... <laughs> It's a case of sort of like some of the cinemas now, instead of saying take your rubbish with you, they say just leave it on the seat because they come in and clean well, it up. So, yeah, a um,
0: lot say that, just leave your rubbish. Yeah. And, like, I think that's saying, um, like, if you look around in the UK, I know around us on the streets there's rubbish things, but if you go to a bus stop or an mm. airport or the train station, there's no bins anymore. Because oh. of terrorist, threats. I'm going to
1: say because dickheads put <laughs> bombs in them and stuff. But yeah. yeah, and I wonder if that's something like with the cinemas that. I I think it's just a case of pe- people like, were leaving it on floor. Like a lot of so. these
0: cinemas are a big uh, multinational chains, and I know we haven't had instance of terror attacks in our cinema, but in America you see it on the news. Oh that they haven't.
1: gosh, yes. So yeah. it's maybe sort of like a multinational. It could be. But um yeah so I think trash duty is a bit of a a bit of a version of that it's like we know you build yeah. all this stuff up just leave it out someone will come in and get rid of it and that that's what we're seeing here. Um I like that there's this sort of consortium of red shirts and obviously we get the little joke about red shirts like isn't that the coolest name and you know we don't have to point out where, <laughs> where that joke's from but one yeah, of them, like it's obviously a reference to TOS red yeah. shirts always tapping, and one of them's that sort of cat thing from it's uh, it's the original series, the, the animated series, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, from um, oh, is it the slaver weapon?
0: That's it, the slaver weapon, and they also mentioned in Picard by Riker that he's been having problems with the Kazonite.
1: Ah, right,
0: yeah, in. Um, Oh, oh, what's it called? Neo, I can't remember. Neopenthe. So Neo, Neopenthe. Yeah. So yeah, he mentions that they've been having problems with them.
1: Yeah. Oh, maybe they're going to become big players. But yeah, it's nice to see them, and I love. It's a lot later on in the episode, but there's a bit where <clears throat> the cat person sort of changes the posture, and they do the posture that we saw them in in the animated series because they were all sort of hunched over and. Um... Yeah so that's really cool how they do that and then yeah like you say Kayshon straight away suspects that the pac is actually a spy and well dr- when he
0: wants to see well he wants to see how he wants to see the force fields and he wants to see the um oh, what's it called I can never remember its name
1: I can't remember what it is he oh. says, but he's wanting to see stuff that he... It's the
0: one that they did in Next Generation where they have the red, for the Buzzard Collectors. Oh,
1: yeah, something. yeah. I know what you mean. Um I should know what it's called. Il- the Ruby Frostfield or something. Something like that, yeah. So they do address one of your issues, which was with Kayshawn only using metaphors from Darmok. And this episode, he doesn't. He throws in some new ones in them, and we have no idea what they mean. But, no, like, but
0: well, he says what when they lose the pack he goes and um, I can't remember the name, but it's this name, his eyes red, which I assume he's crying because they've lost something.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, it's good that they're throwing that in now, and they are doing ones that we've not heard before. Yeah. So maybe it was a case of when they when they first introduced him, they stuck to the ones <laughs> that we know just to make sure that we're all on board with it and we all we all get it. Maybe we were just uh a little bit ahead with it, but we've gotta remember that not everybody studies Star Trek as closely as we do. So maybe um
0: Yeah, um, and <laughs> like what, how many years on are we now from this? Um,
1: oh, from Darmok. Gosh.
0: Like, we're 30-odd years. It was 30-odd years ago, so there's a whole new generation watching Star Trek.
1: Yeah, exactly. Maybe they needed a week to, to go and see it. You know, give them, <laughs> drop it in, drop this character in. They've all got Paramount+, Plus if they're watching it, so they can go and find the yeah. episode, and then they'll be up to speed for next time we see him. Um Rutherford gets inflated by one of the artefacts and this reminds me of, um, do you remember in Live and Let Die where they kill Mr Big, Yafet Koto at the end? With the, uh, with the bullet? Yeah, with the, like, like, I, it's like a shark. air bullet. Yeah, compressed air bullet for sharks. <laughs> and he, yeah. he inflates and everything. It reminded me a little bit of that and a little bit of... Um, Chris Pines Kirk with his big hands in the... Yeah, uh, where the blow off, Yeah, in... Well, they it
0: say it, it, like the anomalies from the weird planet where everything evolves weirdly. Yeah,
1: just everything evolves <laughs> strangely on this planet so that's where it's from.
0: Like, I do like this with Lower Decks. Like, Next Gen and all, a lot of other Star Trek that can get very complicated with the science and all that and explain mm. things and Lower Decks just goes... Strange energies, weird evolution, and I quite like that. Yeah, I do. (laughs) They're not trying to give convoluted explanations for it. It just, this is what it is.
1: No, and again, it's it's taking it to that lower-deck's perspective, isn't it? It's like, the captain who discovered it, which is usually Picard in Next Gen he's going to know the the proper names for it and everything, and they're going to have briefings and blah, blah, blah. But if you're just one of the people lower down the chain, you won't remember the name of it, but you go, oh, I oh, remember that planet where everything evolved weirdly. That were, you know, so you're not going to know the, the technical names yeah. and everything for it. So there is sort of an in-universe justification for that as well. Um, the red shirts then are going back. There's a lot of... Trombone innuendos relating to Riker, which this very much feels like. This is tapping into fan culture, isn't it? Like you see jokes about yeah. Riker and his trombone and memes and all sorts of stuff. So I like, I well, like that. I don't,
0: I don't think this. They're not scared, in and X, to sort of embrace fan culture. No, not mean? at all. That's they're, they're not. They're, they're not scared to sort of look at the entire star trek universe and that does include a lot what the fans come out with
1: yeah absolutely and the the thing is what they're doing with it is they're taking things like you say that fans make jokes about and saying yeah the characters in this universe would find that funny as well yeah and that's
0: it, it, it is all right like Next Gen was a serious series, mm. but it is okay to poke fun at these, yeah. at these people, and have fun with
1: it. Exactly. I mean, it's like I've always said: like I, everyone treats Riker, you know, like this amazing guy and everything. And but if you were an ensign on the Enterprise and Riker were your boss, you would think he was the biggest dickhead that you've ever met. Oh, yeah. You know. And what Lower Decks is doing is it's it's shining like, a light on many, that
0: like how many ends like Next Gen was before the Me Too culture but everyone would be Me Too in right.
1: <laughs> yeah that's very true he'd be in a lot of trouble <laughs> wouldn't he <laughs> and Captain Kirk back in the day as well yes there would be a, yeah <laughs> Operation but it does whatever. just
0: show how like only 30 years ago what was perfectly acceptable, how he carried on and all that. Oh, play. yeah, it's de-
1: definitely. Was, was perfectly fine, and it he, he
0: made him a big, uh, strong, butch character. Yeah. But now, it'd be B2 for
1: it. Oh, no question, Riker would be, absolutely. And just to put it out there, we're not saying <laughs> anything about Jonathan Frakes, we're talking about the fictional character of Riker, just in yeah. case anybody's lawyers are watching.
0: Well, well Riker was... Raikou is next gen's
1: curve Yes, effectively, yeah. Um, I love when they're taking the, the pack led around the ship. They're obviously taking him to see the boring stuff, so that they're trying to keep him occupied but don't show him anything important. But we see that they've got a gift shop in in the Cerritos. And I love this idea. I don't... But, I don't know whether it's really a gift shop or whether it's a case that they've made something on the holodeck to keep him entertained. But I really love or, the idea. Or
0: they've just gone into a, a room, an empty room. Yeah. a Replicator.
1: Yes, quite possibly. But I love the idea that a ship has souvenir, like a souvenir shop on it, because if you uh, were but, visiting, well, this is
0: this is sort of um, taking the Mickey out of uh, Discovery. Because on Discovery, they all go around with a disco T-shirts Oh, yeah, on. of course,
1: they do, yeah. And,
0: and that's something that we've never seen in any of the other shows, but now we've got it that they have USS Cerritos T-shirts you can get.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I love that idea that on a, a starship you could get a souvenir if you visit kind of thing.
0: And, and how many USS Cerritos T-shirts are we going to see when we finally oh. get to go to a convention again? Definitely. Just know people are going to jump on that as merch.
1: Yeah, everyone will have the Cerritos t shirt and the Tom Paris plate. Yeah, well, 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 the Tom Paris plate is already a real. Yeah, exactly. So yes, Lowerdex has done a lot for Star Trek merchandising in its short run of episodes. (laughs) There's a lot of stuff out there that we want now. Um, So then this subplot with um, Boimler then. There's a whole thing about the trying to improve his look, and the new thing where suddenly he's really sort of buff, and you can see yeah, like his pecs we'll, through we'll his shirt. We'll
0: all see a uniform, and it makes him look buffered.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean it's—I don't think it's the strongest element of the episode, but it, it does its job, and it—it it has its own arc that it leads to this thing of. You know you've got to realize, and they kind of did this before with Boimler on the Titan. That he's always the one who has to remind people what we're really here for. Yeah, he's always the one who says no. But Starfleet's about this, not about trying to work your way up the ladder as quick as possible. I did
0: did like actually at the beginning of this when we go right back to the beginning of the episode, and uh, Boimler goes off with the red shirts and Mariner's sort of like, damn. He's found a way out of Anomaly collection duty. I wish I'd thought of that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and we see why, because Mariner ends up, everything basically tries to kill her. Every single thing that they come across (laughs) seems to attack her in some way, which is great. Um, It's good when Boimler sort of practices giving a speech and you see him imagining himself on the Enterprise D bridge. And so we get the animated recreation of that. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've we had this before, like, he's always talking about the Enterprise D, and we know, like, that's his favourite and everything, so it's a really good callback when he does imagine himself as a captain, that he's imagining himself in the TNG era, on the TNG bridge and everything. And he does end up giving what they think's a good speech, anyway, when he sort of channels Riker. Yeah, like, there's, to be fair,
0: he does give a good speech, but... These are the red shirts, and we do see this later. That isn't what being in Starfleet is actually about, giving motivational speeches.
1: No, exactly. And this is the thing. The red shirts are being presented as idiots, effectively. And it, it's almost like it's a character arc that they do in all sorts of things where you have, the misfit kid wants to fit in with the cool kids and then he realises that the cool kids are not as cool as he thought. And that that's effectively yeah. what we're getting here. He realises that
0: his actual mates he did hang about with are the, are the real cool kids. Yeah, uh,
1: and that, that's exactly what we're doing here with Boimler and the red shirts and everything. Um, there's a, another of these wonderfully surreal moments that Lower Deck seems to drop in where... Tendy accidentally releases the three little pigs somehow and you get like the three little pigs running around and it's just one of them it it really appeals to my sense of humor because it's just so weird and there's no like we talk about when we talk about these episodes and we say I can see where they got that from or I can you know there's there's a link to this there but this is just barmy. And it's yeah, just it, it's no just great. For it, is no, it's just weird, but I I like it. I like it. Then on the planet, then with the pack legs, we find out it's all about helmets, or one faction yeah, um, is all about helmets. Yeah, we
0: need to discuss a ceasefire. Oh, I haven't got a big enough helmet for that. <laughs> yeah,
1: and you get Captain Freeman getting more and more frustrated with oh well who, who's yeah. got the bigger helmet? And it seems to turn out that it's just basically whatever title you give yourself because you get I'm the king no I'm the emperor I'm the supreme leader and nobody yeah. knows which one of them's in charge and then the non-helmet whoever
0: has the biggest helmet and, and this is another reason why I don't think the packlands are doing this on their own I think someone's pushing their buttons
1: they have to be someone with a really big helmet then wouldn't they if they respect helmets it could be Dark Helmet <laughs> from Spaceballs that would be a good crossover <laughs> But then the non-helmet pack overthrow them, only to discover that he likes the helmet and puts it on. <laughs> and so now he's the And then the everyone new.
0: goes, he's so strong, he's got a big, the biggest helmet.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's great. I love how they've taken this idea of we've got this species that's essentially just stupid, but they've really run with that. And you know, if you want to look at it objectively and seriously for a minute, you can go, okay, they've... They are actually developing a culture for them here. We're seeing that they've got orders of yeah. succession and orders of magnitude, and they do have some sort of governmental structure, albeit one that's dictated by how big your helmet is. But <laughs> that's not a million miles away from some, some of the governments we have in the present day. So, Well, what is it? It's, it's like,
0: if you look at royalty, it's like, I'm the king because I have a crown, this pointy hat.
1: <laughs> exactly, and yeah, stuff like yeah, how many pips you have on your collar, and I, I don't mean that in a Star Trek sense, you know, but you get, there was a big thing recently in the the British culture where it was all uh, Prince Philip's funeral, and there was a big hoo-ha over uh, which members of the royal family were going to attend in military dress, and the it, it just got absolutely ridiculous because... They, they all wanted to wear military uniforms but that were of a higher rank than what they actually attained in yeah. the military. And the the problem with that is that it, it is illegal to wear a military uniform that you have not attained that rank unless you have express permission from the Queen. So they were all ringing yeah. up the Queen going, oh, Granny, can I, can I dress as an admiral for <laughs> my grandad's funeral? And you know, I'm not <laughs> it,
0: it, the, the, like that. Be, it, like it's sad with funerals, however you look at it. But they turned it into a cosplay. They did. They, they, this is the thing. Because like, if you want to, like, I cosplay more than you do. But we cosplay to pretend to be something we're not, mm-hmm. and pretend. And, and if. You're dressing as an admiral and yet you've never held that rank in admiral. Yeah. You are
1: cosplaying. Exactly. And it's, because I said at the time, I said I'd be like me, turning up to my granny's funeral in a Star Trek uniform, you know. Yeah. And the biggest irony of it all was that Prince Harry, who did hold a rank in the military and did do active service and everything, chose not to attend in military dress, whereas... Well, to be
0: like to be fair, Prince Andrew served in the military because he was actually
1: yes, on the he front lines did. in he the Falklands War. Prince Charles did did serve yeah, in the military. They, they did but all of
0: them were admirals.
1: No, that's it, exactly. Uh, you know, Harry would have outranked them all if he'd have worn a uniform and they hadn't have pretended did that it? they that's I didn't realise he outranked them all. Yeah, I think so. I think he got uh, captain or something, whereas the others right. sort of just did a anyway. I'm happy to be corrected on that. My knowledge of the royal family is not that great, but um but yes, it does bring to mind cosplay and things like that. So, the pack, what we're saying is the pack leds are like the royal family at a funeral. That it's all about how you dress. Yeah. And then Tendy gets turned into a scorpion, which is a bit weird.
0: Um, yeah, she's she's holding this another anomaly that does it. In fact, she's been uh, chewed up by that giant slug first, actually.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's been.
0: Yeah. Which you can understand why that would put someone in a bad mood. Oh, definitely. She's slapped out by a, sl- a giant slug.
1: <laughs> and then that's the thing, isn't it? It's like she's angry, so Boimler has to make a laugh to. To get her to calm down, to stop being a scorpion. I was watching a
0: thing last night about how, with films, how a lot of modern movies don't set up things properly. They'll have a random comment by somebody to explain something in the movie. This is actually set up right at the beginning of the episode, this whole thing where he needs to make a laugh. And right at the beginning of the episode, he trips up with his um, meal in his hand. Oh, Yeah. And face pounds into it. And Tandy starts laughing that she can't help it. It just looks so funny.
1: Right. And then, yeah, you're right. So they've
0: done, they've done the setup for how he ends, how he sort of solves the problem. Right at the beginning, no one meant... No one really says anything, but it's their set-up. And it's beautiful. It's really well done. Yeah, well, that's... Well, to do that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what you want to be doing. Like, you the problem is if you telegraph something too strongly, it's obvious that that's what you're doing. But if you couch it as a character beat earlier on in the episode, it feels yeah. natural, and then when it comes back, the payoff's better. So, yeah, you're right, that's very well very well put together. Um, so, yes, he does save her by prattling about and everything. The pack-led spy has... By all implications gone for a shit in an airlock and accidentally flushed himself out into Pushed space. Himself into-
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> but then when he gets back to the planet, Freeman tricks him into giving up the, the information.
0: Yeah, of what the plan is, and it's like we we've
1: planted a bomb on Earth. Yeah, or- they've and, and we don't get a follow-up to that, so maybe that's gonna be Maybe that's yeah, uh, gonna play into the finale like, or...
0: Yeah, I I think there's a lot more to come and I'll stick with it that there's someone behind it and I've gone out on my limb and I'm uh, saying that I think it might be the Jeffrey Combs evil robot that we've sorry re- that we've seen in the
1: trailers. Yep, yeah, we'll go with that then. We'll... That we still haven't we still haven't got to yet, so No, we'll stick with that one then for now. That's our official prediction. We'll see if we're right. And then Red Shirt Guy kind of gets his comeuppance because the thing is, three of them end up sort of coming to pointless way of thinking, but you get this one who's adamant and that that's the right way and all he's bothered about is being the acting captain. And you get this thing where Ransom just can't even be bothered with it. Like,
0: Well, that's well, it. He goes, um, I'd like to nominate myself for the acting ca- captain's position. I'm the only one worthy. And Ransom goes, yeah, whatever. I don't really care. And then he, straight afterwards, in a few steps, he said to Boimler, well done today, that was brilliant, quick yeah. thinking, how you dealt with the situation.
1: And that's it, that's reinforcing the theme of the episode, which is, it's it's not about your rank and your positioning and your... Um, and it's not
0: about giving speeches.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not about giving speeches, it's not about who's got the biggest hat. it's about what you actually do. And so Boimler has shown himself to have a lot more worth than this red shirt guy and that all comes back around because shacks ends up sending him to clean out the airlock which <laughs> yeah as we know the pack leds um done something in the there the pack
0: led has done something unthinkable
1: in there <laughs> yeah and then it all leads to this final scene which is what centers on our what we're going to cover for the second episode where First of all, they've got this stone that lets you basically throw your voice to anywhere in the galaxy,
0: which... That's uh, very much um, from Stargate, isn't it? They had them um, rocks that let them communicate
1: Yeah, all over. Yeah, it is, actually. And this is one of those... It's one of those bits of technology where... Once you've made this exist, it causes problems in every other storyline that you do in the future. Like um, the transporter in Star Trek Into Darkness. We can get away with that because it's in an alternate reality, but if you've got a transporter that you can beam from Earth to the Klingon homeworld, that causes problems in terms of why have we still got starships. This causes... we, We can't ever have an episode now where people can't speak to each other if we've got these stones well,
0: unless like, they're just
1: one way because if they're uh,
0: just I'm not sure if they're just one way but it's an it's from collecting the anomalies isn't it so there's maybe not a lot of them but you've got like Jane Wayne, when she maybe when she became admiral and found out there's these stones that communicate she must have thought well, why the fuck didn't anyone from Starfleet try to contacting
1: us. Yeah, that'd have been better. Yeah, because even if it is only one way, they could have said Captain Janeway, and yeah. Maybe we'll we'll go with, it's an anomaly, you can't replicate the technology, and it's it's one of a kind, and after this, it goes in a museum, like like the end of yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark or something, nobody's allowed to touch it. We, we'll have to go with that. But they use it to prank call Armus, which... I mean, we're going to talk about the episode in a second, but the way Skin of Evil ends is Picard says, we're going to make this planet restricted so no one can come there. And in a way, if if you want to feel sorry for Amos, you kind of can because that's 20, 30 years ago and he's obviously just been there on his own for the rest of this time and he's still sitting round on his own. Um,
0: in universe, it'd be... Probably closer to 35 years, yeah. 40 years. But, but you don't know how long he was on his own beforehand. I got no. the impression he'd been on his own for thousands.
1: That's of years. true, actually. So, yeah, maybe it's not felt like that long. But but he's... I like
0: how he sat there going, I, I want someone to torture you. I wish someone <laughs> had come so
1: I could talk to them. <laughs> well, you should uh, killed Tasha Yar and then they wouldn't have had to quarantine the planet. So.
0: Oh, spoilers, we're about to talk about that.
1: Sorry. i
0: it for anyone listening who's I ever am. seen Skin of Evil.
1: Right, well, let's move on to Skin of Evil then. So, yes, spoilers, this is the episode where Tasha Yar dies. And, and
0: like, I dug out the VHS and there's actually a clue on the front cover of the VHS tape. Yeah. And um, can I get a focus on that? I'm not sure.
1: Oh, yeah, we can see it there. Yeah,
0: you can see she's got a black veil on.
1: Yeah, I remember on the that. Way for funerals. Yeah, I remember that one, but why would. I mean, there's no reason she'd be wearing a black veil to her own funeral, but. Well, she did appear at her own funeral. That's very true, yeah. But she didn't have a black veil on. But you see, I she, was gonna. She never, she never appeared in show with a black veil no, on. No, she didn't. So it's obviously a publicity picture they did. Yeah, like. To be
0: fair, when this came out, I was uh, quite into the goth scene, so I thought this was quite sexy with the black veil. (laughs) And so I was thinking, well, where's this in all the episodes? I've not seen it. Yeah, where's
1: where's Denise Crosby gothing it up, you (laughs) know? See, I remember this being common knowledge that Tasha Yar was going to die. And I think maybe that's because we got the show so much later than they did in America. So yeah,
0: I don't
1: like. I don't think it
0: was common knowledge when it was broadcast. No, it, it sort of um,
1: in America. Yes, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah,
0: and I think if we got Star Trek back then the way that we get it now, even just a day later, and you took away like all the social media because we didn't have social yeah, yeah. media back then. It would have been a shock. Yeah, no, I think you're right. But uh, I remember. Uh, And it it is like, it it was more a shock uh, because she was a main cast member and we'd not had a main cast member ever die.
1: No, and at the time, very rarely on TV would you kill off a main cast member, not just in Star Trek. I mean, it's something. Um, it's something that happens a lot more frequently now. Like you know, yes. you get shows like Game of Thrones and The Walking Dead and things like that, and it's it's expected that you're going to kill off cast members here, there, and everywhere. But it was such a rare thing in them days. You expected the cast that you had in your pilot episode nine times out of ten would be exactly the same as what you had. Yeah, in your series finale, whether that was two yeah, years, five like, years, ten years after,
0: it's like fair enough. We'd had um, the Wolf of Khan, mm. so we'd seen Spock die, but Spock was uh, back, a, back amongst us all now. By the time of this, he got better from being killed,
1: and that was in a movie. You can do things in movies you wouldn't do yeah. on TV, but yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a big but, thing killing off a main character. But
0: strangely, the episode before this. Um, symbiosis, mm. was actually filmed after. Yes. Because the final scene that she films in Symbiosis, and it's right at the end, you can see her waving bye to everyone. Yes,
1: yeah. It's yeah, it's one of them weird sort of quirks of the production process that
0: yeah.
1: she films all the death scenes and everything and then she's back, back in the next episode. And obviously... Denise Crosby would return as well as Yar in yesterday's Enterprise, but then as Seela well, well, in later episodes. Yeah, well,
0: like it, it is one of those beauties of sci-fi. It's like Yar died in Skin of Evil, but a few years later she came back to life. Yeah, of course. Why not? And and, and that is one of those beauties of sci-fi. Is um, anyone you see who's killed in sci-fi is not necessarily dead forever
1: no no but yeah it's it's an interesting episode in terms of particularly how it's structured and how the death of tasha's handled like i i looked at the the timer on the um netflix when i was watching it and it's 12 episodes in that tasha dies and so we're only 12 yeah sorry 12 minutes in Um, So, you know, we're we're a third of the way through the episode and they've killed her off. And then the rest of the plot plays out and Tasha's death doesn't really have a lot of bearing on the resolution of the plot or anything like that. And then obviously we come back to it for the funeral at the end, but there's not a big fanfare around it. And maybe that's the intention that, you know, that can happen to people. You just get struck down and... If you, like, compare it, say, well, to, um, again, spoilers for DS9 now, but the way jad gets killed in DS9, again, is just a really quick, almost offhand thing. And yeah, it just um, happens, you know.
0: Like, wasn't this, say, uh, to do with the same producer as well, with Jad-Zero and... Uh, possibly. Poss-
1: Cosby. Quite possibly, but that that's... That's an area we won't move into just um, because yeah. I don't think the full details of it are known. But if you want to read up on it, you can do. There's lots of theories out there. And um, yeah.
0: Like, we do know that uh, Denise Cosby asked to leave because she thought her character wasn't being used properly. And possibly.
1: Yeah, she's got a point. I mean. This is season one. Like, we have so... we have
0: spoke about this and like Denise Cosby left at, at the end of season one, but Marina as Councillor Troy was so badly used throughout this.
1: Yeah, as a character. I mean,
0: um, even Doctor Crusher.
1: Yeah, I I mean, arguably, season one they haven't really nailed anybody's character yet. No. And you only have to look at the start of season two, like, you know, Geordie's not even the chief engineer at this point. We get this this weird guy who keeps giving his full name every time, Leland T. Lynch. Yeah. Like, all right. And, you know, so they've not fully established what the show's going to be yet. So I can see why she was frustrated, but I think... Any member of the cast in season one could have said the same thing, really, and not, but, you know, not being out of line. There's
0: also, but you've also got the thing that there's maybe two other the cast members. Yeah, we're developing, and we want to take you towards this, and we yeah, want to
1: take yeah, you towards
0: this, and she's maybe not getting that. Yeah, I mean, but we we don't know the full stories, and. I don't know if the full
1: story will ever come out. I don't think it will. But um, have a look at Denise Crosby's Twitter feed and some of the things she says to some of the producers and things like that, and you'll probably get a a gist of what, what might have gone on there. Um, so talking about like developing characters, I know we're sort of jumping around in this one, but we're assuming most people know this episode quite well. Um. As soon as Tasha goes, they start doing some really good stuff with Worf. Almost immediately, like, they they have the briefing, yeah. the, the scene where they're having the big meeting, and then Worf's first impulse is, I should be on the away team because, effectively, you need the muscle, you know, you need the heavy, that's what would be expected of me. But then, because he's been promoted to chief of security, he stops himself and he goes, no... My my job. I serve you
0: better here at a tactical station.
1: Yeah, and I think that's really good development work for Worf, particularly in these early days of it, and probably the sort of thing that Denise Crosby would have appreciated if she'd have got a bit more yeah. attention to character like that. Um. So I think I think that's really good. And did you think in the very. Early scene, we get this bit where Tasha's talking about she's entering this competition, like a martial arts thing, and Worf's put a bet on her. Is there almost a hint of a bit of romance between the two of them there? Like, they're very sort uh, of smiley at each other. And
0: it, I don't think it's so much romance. I think it's mutual respect of each other. Yeah, I get that. Worf's, but... Worf's an orphan and was brought up separately. And Tasha's an orphan and, and sort of brought up yeah.
1: Maybe, maybe that's part of the reason as well that that the ensemble comes together more once Tasha's gone, because you have got two very similar characters there serving a a very similar function, and so yeah. arguably there's a a bit of redundancy in the team dynamic. I'm there. A bit of
0: echo. Hmm? Yeah, I'm getting
1: a bit of echo. stop no- stopped again. Oh well, there's nothing no coming ever. through this end. Okay. Um, yeah, so, I don't know, maybe... I, I do think the ensemble is better once Tasha goes, but I do think it's a bit of a shame that they killed Tasha off.
0: Yeah, like, I like Tasha as a character. I think she was a real. I think it was a really good, interesting character.
1: Yeah.
0: And I'd liked to have seen the character developed
1: into... Mm. Developed a lot more. Yeah, de- same with Seela as well, where they bring her back as Seela. We never really got a payoff for her character, like, she was... They hinted at her a few times in season four, then we had redemption, then she turns up again in unification. But there's no resolution to a character, really, yeah. at the end of that. It felt like we deserved one more Selah story as well at some point.
0: Which I suppose it's out there. Like, there's no reason that Seela isn't still out there.
1: Oh, no. And it'd be interesting it to resolves- bring... It- to bring her back, especially now, considering what they've done with Romulus and the Romulans and yeah. things like that. So she'd be a really interesting character to pop up at some point, but we never know. So let, let's talk about Amos then. So obviously, we get down on the planet and the, the whole setup is we've got the shuttle, but this big goo on the floors blocking them getting to it. and Yeah, it keeps moving which is is that really early cgi that they're using or is it just like more traditional animation
0: um, i'm not sure if it's animation or cgi but it works and it's all you've got to do is a little bit of light off it yeah yeah it's just one shape that moves back and forward so
1: yeah it's a good effect and i remember it being good at the time as well you know it, it
0: And I've spoke about this before. They did look at CGI for The Next Generation Mm -hmm. originally. And um, I've dug out the clip, so I'll do a plug for this weekend. Anyone watching us on the Dr. Squeeze show Saturday, uh, we're supporting um, Phoenix Rehoming for Dogs. We're on at 7 o'clock. And I've uh, got the clip lined up, ready to show everyone of um, the early CGI footage that should have been, that they were trapped. Testing for next generation.
1: So that's yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So I've never seen that, and I'm I'm saving yeah. it for for the uh, the broadcast <laughs> so we can have a look at it. I think
0: we'll show it on our show next week. Yeah, and I'll put it on the Facebook page afterwards.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. So if we get the big reveal of armus then, where he sort of rises out of the goo and everything. And you get some really bad communication between Riker and Picard. Picard says, number one, what are you seeing? And he just goes, trouble. And it's like, well, oh, well, that's helpful, Riker. Like, what's
0: annoying about that is that um, that clip where he says trouble was used in loads of the trailers at right. one point. Like, early, like I, I've i got, um, oh, what do you call it? Emissary, DS9. Yeah. And it has this really long Star Trek trailer at the start of it, sort of showing the movies and TOS. I remember that. And that's one of the scenes, parts of it is where he goes, trouble. But when you actually see it in, in its context,
1: what a rubbish First Officer. Yeah. It's like you need to describe what's going on, Riker. But then he obviously does a good job because we get something really weird here that we it's the only time I can think of they do it in TNG, where obviously after he says trouble, there was an advert break in the real world. The, the There's an act break. Yeah. And then we come back and Picard is doing a captain's log and he says, they're down on the planet, they've encountered this being that's blocking it, it calls itself Armus, Blah blah blah, and you like it can change shape. It can well, change it shape.
0: Humanoid,
1: and then we immediately cut back to Riker on the planet, and you get the sense that no time has passed. So when has Riker briefed Picard for him to be able to do this log entry with that much detail? And yeah, and they used to do so it. What trouble told you all that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, but they used to do it in the original series quite a bit. And it was almost as though when we're listening to Captain's Logs in TOS, they're not live. We're listening to Captain's Logs after the fact once Kirk's got all the information. Yeah. Because you, a few times you'd have something where he'd say, you know, Captain's Log 39623, we are at this planet, but unbeknownst to us at the time, an invader had come on board the ship. Yeah. And that clearly puts it, in the past tense whereas
0: it's that um it's that filling in the point of view of the audience where you explain to the audience what's going on which is like in doctor who that's what the companion is there. yes
1: yes so
0: uh, oh that's what the companion companions are meant to be there for in doctor who to ask questions for the doctor to sort of yeah. explain what's going on.
1: <laughs> and you're right, yeah, the captain's log is there to to fill us in. So anybody who's forgotten what's happened over the commercial break or anyone who's missed the first part of the episode, here you go. And it, it does serve that function, but it's just weird in terms of when did Picard make this log and how yeah. did he know this when all Riker said was trouble. Um, Some other things about Armas, like he's... It's implied that he's from an alien culture and that they'd effectively shed all their evil feelings and badness and it had had created this so that they could go off and be perfect beings, blah, blah, blah. But he calls Data Tin Man, which is clearly a reference to The Wizard of Oz. So where is he getting this knowledge of Earth literature if he's an alien being that's not got any contact with humans, it's we get it. You know, we get it. It's a cultural reference, and it's you can try and explain it and go, maybe, maybe he don't mean the Tin Man from Wizard of Oz. But how does he know what tin is? Because data's not made of tin, yeah. so it, it doesn't work on any level. And it's just it's interesting.
0: It, it's a It's a cult, it's, a, it's a pop culture reference. Yeah. That we all understand. And, like, when Next Gen was made, we didn't look at things. I don't think any people went in depth into no, the way that we do nowadays. And you got away with stuff like that. Yeah,
1: you did. And I, I do find it interesting. And I think if we're being generous, we can say, well, this, this implies something about Amos' backstory, that there's there's more story to be told there. You know, I'm not saying it's it's an error. I just find it interesting the choice of words that he uses. And, and I
0: suppose it depends how long ago these uh, titans shed the evil, but I imagine it has been thousands, if not millions, of years ago. Yeah. Of this you... race of titans. Because there's no no sort of who is this race of titans? Is it the one mm. is it like um the what the beings that were from Pluto's stepchildren or the
1: yeah, got
0: um, a garons, but all of these are ancient races.
1: Yeah, exactly, and that was something the original series did a lot more, having these almost godlike species. and you, know, you know, obviously other Trek shows have. Dip the toe in that but original series we got it very often like there were, there were quite a few I think
0: uh, Picard might have quite a lot of the godlike
1: species in it in mm, season 2 it's looking that way certainly <laughs> and Amos's powers as well like so we know he can change his shape we know that he can speak somehow without having a, a voice uh, without having a mouth, but we also see uh, him when he's pissing about with Jardy's visor. So he flicks it off his head. So he's clearly got some sort of telekinesis thing. He moves the visor by making it teleport from one place to another. So he can yeah, he can do that. He can transport things around, and he he transports Picard later on. He can also. He can also-
0: Absorbed phaser
1: energy. Yeah. It can create barriers that block transporter beams and communications and everything else. So I suppose if this race of Titans were a super evolved species with superpowers, then it'd, it'd kind of make sense that Amos can do all this stuff as well. Um, but it's he's quite frighteningly powerful, really. But yeah. he just can't get off the planet. He obviously can't transport himself or well, can't transport himself it's obviously far enough.
0: Localised transportation.
1: Yeah. And he, um, he drags Riker in at one point. And there's a really cool effect where you see sort of Riker's face screaming, but it's there's a really covered bad, in there's goo. There's a really
0: bad part. Um, when he drags him in, I don't know if you notice, you have um Everyone runs over Mm. right to the edge. And Geordie, for no reason whatsoever, drops his phaser and his tricorder on the floor. Oh, does he? (laughs) Yeah, if you watch it, he gets there, and his phaser and tricorder just dropped to the floor.
1: (laughs) Did they just drop off his costume or well,
0: he's not carrying them beforehand. Right. I I assume they've dropped off his costume, but they've just left it in there. Fair enough, you know, you you don't want to... And then when it goes back, it, uh, sort of a scene or so later with Jordi, he's got his face in his hand again.
1: So I'm sure I remember, <coughs> you'd better check this on your VHSs because I, I'm i pretty sure I remember from the the original version of it that there's a couple of shots where there's no goo in Amos's pool, as if they've they've not put it in, but I have a feeling that on these remasters they might have just dropped a bit of CGI right. in to, um, to clear it up. I need a
0: fuse for the plug for my video recorder.
1: <laughs> I a fuse. But yeah, I'm sure <laughs> I remember. I'm sure I remember. And you, and you know, when you go through your equipment, what
0: can I do without a yes, video recorder? Yes, I <laughs> do. That,
1: that's why my iron's not got a plug on it at the minute. Um, but yeah, I'm sure. I remember, you can only see a bit of the pool, sort of in the corner of the screen, and Amos is studying. Right, and it, I think they thought oh, no one will notice that. But yeah, I watched it a lot when I were a kid. So yeah, I it, do. it's
0: a really bad continuity error. You have um, all three of them: it's uh, Data, Georgie, and uh, hmm. Doctor Crusher. Run up, and you just see it: Georgie's feet, the face, and the tricorder. When he gets there, hit the deck.
1: I'll look out for that one next time, um so this thing we're dragging Riker in then this is obviously another power that Amos has that he's able to somehow keep Riker alive despite the fact that presumably his lungs are flooded with this goo, so Amos presumably all,
0: Andy also flattens him completely,
1: yeah, so is he synthesizing oxygen and Keeping Riker's body alive um, and, you know, it's... Is it a different
0: dimension within Oh, it? that's
1: interesting. Yeah, it could be, could I, be.
0: Like, I, I wondered if it's like he, he's gone into a different dimension because it's like, because Riker doesn't die, but you see this, the goo moves flat and it goes over the, over the shuttle. Yeah, it does. And Riker's inside it. Yeah. So it's gone completely flat and, and all that. So Riker, even if he's got oxygen, like... Basic physics say that if, yeah, yeah. if you're that wide and suddenly to that
1: wide, got, you're got <laughs> yeah, you squished. Yeah, you're done for, yeah. That's a very good point. So, yeah, maybe it's, I suppose, yes, uh, maybe he could have teleported him somewhere else and it's all for sure. He's just teleported him behind a rock somewhere and he's breathing. I don't know. I don't know. Um... Though we end up then with... You no, know,
0: because Troy senses him inside, don't they?
1: Yes, she does, you're right. And Picard ends up confronting him then. And this is your, your classic Picard, where he basically just talks him to death. Like, he, he beats him effectively by just telling him how crap he is. Like, Amos is there. Well, well...
0: This is very much like um, in TOS where Kirk um, beat every supercomputer with logic.
1: Yes. <laughs> and, yeah, you've got Amos bragging about how he's this big evil and well, he's...
0: yeah, it, it's... Well, they've established, haven't they, that he has to get angry. Every mm. time he gets angry, he's sort of... his force field or whatever he's got over the shuttle. Goes,
1: yeah, it drops. gets lower.
0: So Picard go, goes through the thing of making him angrier and angrier.
1: Yeah, and it's effectively just saying, no, nah, you're not all that, you've not got anything, you're just a sad little man, and yeah. And it drops it enough so they can they can beam him out. But as I've said before, like one of the great things about Picard is that he might not be your action hero, but he's capable oh, of... He- of di- uh, he
0: did He did die hard instead. he did do
1: die hard so he can be when called upon but the majority of the time he wins his battles by talking to people and I think that's a great yeah. characteristic of Picard Picard is a diplomat exactly he's very very good at it um, and then we finish then with Tasha's funeral and yeah this is to say We've only known this character for 20 episodes or whatever at this stage, and...
0: Well, uh, this is episode 22 of season one. Yeah. So, we've known, but we've known her 22 weeks, so... Yeah. We approach her, we've known her for nearly half a year.
1: That's true. And it, it is quite effective how they do the sequence and everything, and the fact that at the end of an episode, they take the time to have quite a long scene just reflecting on this character and spending a bit of time with the other characters to see how they react to all of it. And I do think it's it's really well done. Though apparently, what? they did cut a line where she was going to say something to Data about the relationship they had. <laughs> apparently, I don't know if it was just scripted and never used or whether it was filmed and removed, right. but yeah.
0: Uh, do you know what the line was?
1: She was going to say something like, oh, and by the way, Data, it did happen, because she says it didn't happen in <laughs> in The Naked yeah. Now. And obviously we get we get a bit of a follow-up to this, don't we, in Measure of a Man, where we see that Data's got a, a hologram of Tasha. Well,
0: well, he kept the hologram as one of his treasured possessions, didn't
1: he? Yeah. Uh, and he admits that they
0: were intimate.
1: yeah. So I I do really like this ending scene where she goes around and kind of talks to everyone, and Picard gets to do a bit of emoting, like you know Patrick Stewart, being the actor he is, manages to have, be just on the brink of tears but not quite there. And
0: yeah, and it, and you see that thing where, and it's something that carried that's carried right through into Picard, even with Picard and Data. Yeah how uh, Picard sort of schools him on his humanity uh, when he's doing stuff. And, like, this is before Daytrap, long before Daytrap's emotion chip, And he goes, mm. my thoughts about, are about, uh, seem selfish. Mm. That I'll miss her. And uh, Picard goes, no, you've got the point of it perfectly.
1: Yeah, and that's great. And, you know, without getting too much into psychoanalysis and stuff, but the... Uh, um Lacan wrote about what he called the second death, which is the funeral. And in, in that he talk he talks about exactly this, how funerals are designed for living people, obviously, you know, they're not it doesn't do anything for the person who's dead, but the whole well, idea of a funeral is for the people there to begin accepting it and begin moving on and yeah, you know, and Data gets that. He's, like Picard says he's got it he's he's worked that out, you know, which is a big human thing, so yeah it's there's a lot of good stuff in this episode. I really like what they do with Worf. I like the little bit with data there I think
0: amos there's the interest there's the interesting bit on the planet the way um, he's got he's controlling data and he's got mm, the data point in the face for everyone,
1: yes, which you know, could be quite a frightening thing but I I think if I'm being honest I think Amos's voice does a lot to undermine how potentially sinister the character could be it comes across a little bit too um what's the word almost a bit too sort of pompous and I know I know there's an element of that to his character but I think it it just undermines it a little bit to have him as a truly sort of terrifying villain like they, they could have really lent into this and really made him scary
0: like
1: why lost this?
0: this is a pg so
1: yeah and that's the thing I think you know that, i think
0: that's a, i think that's as high as next gen got yeah
1: exactly PG. tv didn't so the, push those they boundaries for, they were made for
0: family viewing
1: they were so made for it, family viewing the, and e- even though they were first broadcast on an evening, these shows were designed for syndication where they're going to be shown well, at 8 in the morning.
0: It went out of syndication so Paramount could take control.
1: Yeah. So, you know, they're designed to be shown at all hours of the day and everything. But I'd like to see what a modern Trek show could do with the idea of Armas and really... Really play up the sinister yeah, like, aspects, but um,
0: Arm- Armus is very much a monster of the week, yes, sort of a big bad because uh, he doesn't move much,
1: no, it's true, very
0: little. It's, it's a very static monster,
1: he is, but... apart from when he's slithering about in his liquid form. Yeah, but... But... <laughs> but I think, um, fortunately or unfortunately, whichever way you want to look at it. Now that Lower Decks has established that he's still just sat on the planet feeling sorry for himself, I don't think we're going to get a, a live action return from Amos. But I'm happy to be no. proven wrong.
0: Like I think he's just another one of those where they're looking back at something and they're taking making fun of it now.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And, and, and uh, Amos was was meant to be a big bad. Because he killed the crewman. but when you look back, it's a
1: silly monster. Very much so, and we, we... and it doesn't make a lot of sense. No,
0: <laughs> and and especially that we never saw this. If we'd maybe come across the Titans at some point,
1: yeah, that'd have been interesting that to might see be what, a different what the matter. see what the good side of it was. If he's the bad side, yeah, that yeah. would have been interesting.
0: It's a bit like. Um... That alien species injustice that had the ship that was floated watching over it all. Oh
1: yeah, that's a good. That point. was
0: never. That's never been revisited. It's like
1: no, the little conspiracy aliens that scuttle yeah, into the back of your neck. Yeah, we never got them. There was lots
0: in season one that have never been revisited. That, it's
1: very true. I, I think in conspiracy,
0: conspiracy got past a lot of things that it shouldn't have got
1: past. <laughs> yes it did see when you're talking about family viewing that one ooh, it... well it got
0: banned for a long time didn't
1: it exactly yeah we'll have to cover conspiracy at some point in the future <laughs> So it's an interesting show though yeah I think uh,
0: when we cover conspiracy I'll put I'll put some uh, screenshots and yeah
1: there's a lot going on, on like in that, that. one um, so we'll wrap up there then for these episodes we'll be back Next week as normal, but yes, before we're back next week, on Saturday we're appearing as part of Squee Fest, which long-term listeners will be very familiar with. Dr. Squee, who's one of the founders of Retrek, often comes on board to chat with us about episodes. He's running a 24-hour live podcast streaming event in aid of charity and will be appearing on it twice, once at 7pm UK time on the Saturday. And then again, uh, when we'll, we'll be talking about Endgame, <laughs> Voyagers Endgame. So we're we're going to cover the finale of Voyager, and then which we'll,
0: is quite out just before, not long before Prodigy. Yeah, starts.
1: yeah. And then uh, we'll be having a bit of fun with a, a bit of a Star Trek Star Trek Top tr- Trumps game. He's not really explained yes. to us what it is yet, so uh, we'll have fun.
0: Sunday, Sunday at one p.m. Sunday at UK one p.m.
1: UK time. time. So um, we'll see you then. If you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, come and join us on Facebook. You can tweet us at RetrekPod. You can email us retrekpod at gmail.com. And just let us know what you think. Come and join us for the live broadcast and tell us what you think about the finale of Voyager. And thanks for trekking with us this time. We'll see you next time on the Retrek. Thank you. Bye-bye.